Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm DeFi 250 And I'm Lodicolo. And this is PVP Corner, the PVP podcast that best buddies Dialga before queuing up. And we have a guest this week. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, happily, my name is uh, Elodicolo on online spaces in Pokemon Go, on Twitter, Twitch, Discord, all of that sort. You might have seen me on a lot of these things on the Twitch, on the Twitter, in GBLQ specifically in Master League. And as of recently in the past year or so, maybe a little bit longer, as a uh, Master League specialist for the Diamond Squad known as uh, Dojo Squad. Very, very cool. And you'll listeners, you'll also notice that Fish is out this week. He's actually taking a bit of a mental health break, going to completely uh, turn off uh, some things and completely kind of go off the grid for a week and just take some space for himself, which I really wanted to encourage uh, and support him in doing. So we have someone pretty fantastic to talk about Master League. We have gotten so much feedback that whenever there's a Master League rotation, Fish and I tend to just say, well, Master League's here. I'm not playing that. (laughs) And then we move on. So I'm excited to really talk about that. Uh, But Elodicolo, uh, do you prefer just kind of like Elo or uh, I've noticed Elo is exactly that's that's perfectly fine. That's probably my favorite little nugget that a lot of people dig up for themselves. Elo is perfect. All right, Elo. So uh, where do you think your Pokemon journey started? Let's talk a little bit about you first. Uh, Are you like a day one player? What kind of got you into PvP? Uh, Tell me a little bit about your Pokemon Go journey. Sure, actually. So I started playing, I think, since it was in beta, for those of you guys that remember that month and change period between like the last week of May of 2016 up until like June 30th, July 1st. I was hooked on it, knowing full well the progress is going to reset at the end of the month. Like 3300 Arcanine and Vaporeon was kind of the big thing. I was like, all right, I am ready. And then they reset everything after the beta, including like how the CP formula works. That was a little bit of a shakeup. But when I updated the beta, according to when Australian players got the full launch, uh, because I had the beta, I actually had the um, actual first version of the live app a day before everybody else in the States happened. So I would be a day zero player. Um, But I have been playing since 2016. I did take a very long break, I think right around like 2018, 2019. There was a lot of stuff going on in life. I came back to it. uh, And then things started really cooking a lot from there. That was right around the time when PvP, I think, had already been existing. And I think Sylph had also been around for a little bit. So people knew about like i guess basic pvp mechanics back in the day that was like your azu like sableye meta stuff like that like registeel altaria very basic and um kind of run-of-the-mill great league stuff and i think what got me into pvp initially is i brought like anybody else inexperienced probably would the three closest things to 1500 that i had at the time and i think i got completely stomped by i think it was like an old caleb pangline actually with like skarm and meganium and I think shift tree in the back. I don't think I saw the shift tree, but now thinking about the circumstances with a Skarm and a Meganium, I was like, oh, that's like that's like Caleb Peng version one right there. That's actually what I got stopped by. And that was like, okay, well, I want to learn a little bit more about it and looking at online resources and stuff. I was doing a lot of raiding with my local community at the time. And where I lived at that point, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of active players. The time the attention to everything in my area. There was a lot of gyms. There was a lot of everything. It felt good to be playing at the time. I was driving around a lot and doing it. Uh, And because of that, I had a lot of resources early on. And one of the things I had had, and I did not know it was good during the Master League, was a uh, Hondo Dialga that I had gotten very early on. 
and people were telling me you should best buddy that it's like the best thing in the meta and in season one they were probably right it was the best thing in the meta to the point where it was a little unhealthy and probably over centralizing and in that regard i said all right well screw it i will go ahead and uh put some resources into that and see how that carries and it turns out it did really well it did phenomenally well for seasons <laughs> Uh, for the preseason and for season one, I think right around when Groudon came along, it started to check it, but it was still a little unhealthy. But I started to actually just look at like, okay, you can even flip bad situations into good ones with how things are in Master League. Everything always has play. Everybody's flinging around nukes left and right. It's a it's a wonderful time where things can range from like it will take two very big hits to knock out something to oh, this is just oppressive and I can just snowball it. And there's a range of stuff that happens in between. And it was the preseason to like seasons one and two that that started to ramp up. I started to notice like Mewtwo and Dialga were a fun core. And I started to build on that. And I was like, well, this is fun because like these things are good in raids too. So they just have use regardless of, you know, the occasion. I can use them in Master League and PvP. I can take with me to do raids to get more stuff faster. And because of those early investments, I never really had problems like soloing back when raids were tiers one, two, three, four, and five. Uh, four was a little bit of a challenge still, but I didn't need a lot of raid counters or anything like that. Or it had a lot of them built up. Three and below was pretty easy, and five I was usually carrying in damage. It felt good to have big boys early on. And it still kind of does now. I look at my inventory and I look at some other locals like seven years later. And they break like maybe 35, 3600. Like, oh, this is cool. You know, look at this level 37 Rayquaza. <laughs> and then I show them my over 5,000 slacking just for the sake of showing off the top of the inventory for just to really get surface level conversation. They're like, whoa, I didn't know that gets that big. How did you do that? And, you know, all that stuff. So it's, it's to reach all different walks of player that I run into. And I just love sorting by the top and looking at all the different options I have. And I think that's what entrances me the most about it. I get to play with the big things that mean a lot to everybody that looks at them. That is so cool. And what then brought you to content creation? Because now you're on Twitch. Uh, if you have other platforms, that's where I have seen you before. What brought you into the content creation space? So a little bit of background is I had actually been on Twitch since about 2009. I've actually been partnered with Twitch since its inception and I've been streaming on it since before Twitch was Twitch. I actually have a, uh, a time capsule box that Twitch sent me for being a partner for 10 years and I include some old Justin.tv merchandise and I have a coffee mug in there that I'll likely never use. But I had been streaming main series games since... Um, diamond pearl and platinum uh, like i was putting my nintendo ds on a stack of jewel cases and putting a webcam facing it and just playing those games out live the amount of times i would have disconnected because the ds was using wi-fi and my laptop was using wi-fi and wi-fi infrastructure just wasn't as good as it was 15 years ago as it is now so like running both of those things at the same time i would be live for hours trying to get games to finish but overall it was a um it was a budding thing at the time for live streaming to happen and i was like i want to get my foot in the door and then as soon as Justin.tv switched, Twitch was like, hey, you have a lot of followers and a lot of traction. And on YouTube, I think I also had something like 30K before I gave up that channel. There was, you're probably familiar with the Google Plus merging and unmerging and how that probably affected some channels, ad revenue, subscription, reach, things like that, whatever algorithm happens in the background. It really messed up my primary channel. I started to notice like an 80% dip in view and advertising. I wasn't big enough to talk to support. I wasn't as big as like Smosh or like Ray William Johnson or those are some really old names at the time. You got to understand that's around the time I was daily uploading. So I've been around of a lot longer than a lot of people think, but I did take a break from Twitch for a very long time to do a lot of, uh, just do a lot of work in real life. And naturally content creation takes a back burner to everything else. But when I came back to it, I decided, you know what? I will stream my GBL battles because I'm having fun in Master League and I don't hate it. And a lot of people that exist in my existing community uh, would be, they would be thrilled to see me kind of come back to content creation and do some stuff again. So I started redefining and readapting as a Go content creator. And then that combined with my existing job, which means that I'm able to stream from my place of employment, means I have 
the sense of consistency that I have always wanted, the time slot, the days, the everything. I have a set schedule. Everything was going perfect at the time. Um, and I was getting better viewers, a better community. The, the main series game has kind of branched out to a point where I don't want to say oversaturated, but it is harder to build a following for yourself playing Scarlet Violet or any other ROM hacks or anything of the sort than it is Go. Go has the reputation on Twitch to have a very tight-knit community where if you've seen somebody in one chat, you will likely see them in five to six other chats in that day alone. Because when sets are done, that stream can take anywhere between, oh gosh, if you're playing Little Cup, maybe a little over an hour if you shotgun all your sets back-to-back. Or if you're playing the Open Ultra League, that could be like a two and a half to three hour stream. But, you know, when they're done, they'll just take the party elsewhere. It's a gigantic train. You log on. What caboose are you on? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go for as long as you want to watch. And that's it. And you make familiar stops every day. And I think that's really cool about the category. It's something I didn't realize was happening that early on. But as the years went on, I started getting a little bit more traction. I started really having a lot of fun learning other leagues and building other resources at the same time, too. And then I started to notice a pattern on Twitch. I was like, okay, I've seen this person in a lot of other chats. And this kind of like observation I had about people that were coming in and out, in and out, it really is a very tight-knit and lively community that I've really grown to appreciate a lot since I've kind of redesigned myself to be in the Go space. And it's something that I don't think I would go back to main series game for. I think it's, it's strictly a downgrade to swap back you know, Elo, I completely agree. I That is something I really love about the Pokemon Go community on Twitch and really just in general, like at play Pokemon events, at on Discord, everywhere. We just spread the love and we share uh, and recommend each other. Like if you like this one Twitch streamer, they'll tell you a bunch of other good places to go. And the ra- like raiding over, kind of like you said, the train, like, oh, you're on the caboose. Now we're going to the next one. That just <laughs> doesn't seem to happen in any other space the exact same way. It really is community, which is what Pokemon Go is all about anyway, right? Yeah, if it, and like, if it does exist in other spaces, it doesn't happen on the same frequency to amplify itself and make voices resonate and just kind of everybody grows exponentially faster out here and it feels like what a community should feel like versus people just existing in the same space which is applicable both in the twitch sense as well as the pokemon go sense existing with people in your immediate vicinity a community uplifts each other and helps each other reach their goals versus people just existing in the same space they don't have a strong affiliation with each other you know, you know how that goes. It, it feels tighter knit and more important, more significant. Completely. And let's, you know, lift up some of our viewers and tell them a little bit about Master League. Let's fill them in after years of Fish and I neglecting the Master League. Let's uh, kind of uplift our viewers and talk about that a little bit. How was Go Battle League for you this week, Elo? Uh, it's been pretty interesting, actually. Um, I had, so... I need to rewind the clock a little bit back about a week, a week and a half ago, probably to about Sunshine Cup, Go Battle Day kind of period of time. Um, That was roughly when I just gotten back from vacation. I wasn't really caring too much about my MMR. Uh, You'll notice me refer to MMR because Elo referring to Elo is very confusing, but it's still the same. (laughs) So so I, I do consciously refer to it as MMR for that reason. Matchmaking rating is what we're going for. But I had intentionally tried a couple of meme teams in sunshine didn't really work out too well that's fine around a there was a point where i was consciously just top lefting because i was like okay well i go battle day and then master league's coming up so that's fine i intentionally deflated myself a little bit just to try to have fun with some stuff i didn't really use before so i would be lying if i said i was not more successful than i ordinarily am with running Less than consistent stuff, been getting away with things like Nihilego, Zerkatry. As of today, I was running uh, Ho-Ozation Zamazenta, the hot dog combo right there. Uh, bird in the front, two dogs in the back. And that's been going pretty well. I went down to about 2,000. I think I ended today at about 2,870. So I think about like 800 plus in the past like week and change. I think whenever the last go battle day was until now-ish. I do play all of my sets every day. It's just a matter of how 
good I'm doing with them. And I think it's been pretty all right. I don't really notice anything weird. I think the weirdest thing I saw was the um, the 2200 CP Keldeo today, which was, that was a real what's going on moment. Um, the buzzwall that immediately followed it. And then I think I saw a superpower hurricane Dragonite. Outside of those three things, everything in GBL has felt fairly normal. Yeah. And what is normal for Master League? What are, would you say are some of the most common cores? You said Dialga's no longer. Because the last time I tried Master League was when uh, pre-level 50, when I could use my Dialga that was at level 40. Uh, and I, do, I definitely don't have one now. So what would you say is common, run of the mill for Open Masters? Gotcha. For people that have kept up with the raid bosses and everything, Dialga has since had a few rotations since uh, XL Candy has been around and pre-remote paid rest, remote raid, RRP, remote raid pass nerf. Uh, they've had the ability to build up those resources by using rare candy or walking and making your buddy, things of that nature. Uh, there has been time and opportunity for at least every single boss to make the go around at least once since Rare Candy XLs were introduced. Gosh, what is that? Like two Decembers ago? Maybe going on three now? I can't remember exactly when, but I think the 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 one that I didn't keep up on was Landorus and Lugia. And since Lugia and Ho-Oh have uh, finally gotten rotations where people have the had the opportunity to get their own and level them up to 50, it's a little bit of a flyer meta right now. And we're kind of experiencing that in Great League as well uh, with Noctowl and then in Ultra League with Pidgeot. This season really just does feel to me across all of the leagues that it basically just belongs to the birds and what's your management for the birds and what is your management to the things that manage the birds. And it is just kind of that triangle in Great League. It is Noctowl. Lantern Trevenant is an infamous core there. And ultrally, you could say it'd be something like, I don't know, Pidgeot, Registeel, and then Fighter. Um, fill that in the way you want to. Master League is very similar. You have uh, Luki and Ho-Oh, and then you have things that punish those flyers like Melmetal, Excadrill, Giratina also deals with both. And then you have uh, the things like Dialga that would punish the Giratina, the Kyogre. Um, so it's... I guess in terms of things I've been seeing, Kyogre has actually kind of taken a downtick for sure. I haven't really seen it that much. Dialga has been notably less common than before. I think the thing that I did not expect to really see a comeback, but I saw in probably about 40 to 50% of my games today was Mewtwo. I was really not expecting uh, that generalist to kind of make a return the way that it did. Um, especially since it's been a little bit since the last Mewtwo rotation, and we also have Shadow Raids having come out just recently. Maybe those people actually did some uh, Shadow Mewtwo Raids and got the last XLs they need to level up their existing ones. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's kind of a placebo there. But I was seeing a lot more Mewtwo's. I was seeing a notable amount more Excadrills and Landorus. I get Landorus as somebody that just built theirs on the most recent rotation. I've used it. It's very fun. I can super recommend it. That thing wins charge move priority on just about everything except for Rayquaza and Mewtwo and like a few other things above it. But there's a lot below it. And there's a fair amount of Lugia. So a lot of recent stuff. Uh, so it's kind of easy to just adapt with what's going on there. Giratina's at more or less a normal level. I don't really think there's uh, anything... I think Ho has had a little bit of a decline too. There's not really as many of those as I'm expecting. Giratina is either super low in usage or super high, and there's like no middle ground according to what I play. Safi Rayquazas, that was pretty interesting. Ooh, D Knight Double Steel. That's right. If we're gonna look at the um I'm not gonna call it free to play, but the, whatever the opposite of pay to win would be. So like the non-legendaries like um your D Knight, Metagross, Excadrill, Mount Metal. Been seeing that team a fair amount. And I don't think usage of that ever really goes down. It's Dragonite, Metagross, Excadrill is the most common iteration of it I see. But I have seen um, Dragonite, Excadrill, and then third steel type. So it could be either Metal or if you have a Dialga, go for it. Um, or the, I think there's another steel type floating around there that can slot in for that too. It's not coming to mind right now. But Knight Double Steel has always been a, a tried and true one that a lot of people know how to play. Yeah, that is something when I play Master League Premier personally, those are the Pokemon that I have up to level 50. I have Dragonite, I have Melmetal, I have 
uh, Metagross. I have all Excadrill. Like those are the things that I can build because I can go out and grind for free. Just go walk around the park and grab them during an event. Right. Uh, and they and they hold they hold tried and true to premiere as well as open as well. It takes a little bit more finesse since the meta is opened up with the legendaries, but they're all three of those options are very valid. Plus Mel Metal. Yes. Uh, I like being able I in the one thing I wish I could do in Premiere is use my Mel Metal because I worked really hard for that thing and I would like to be able to use it more often. But I've just been so shy on open master is just because I don't have a single legendary at level 50. The closest I'm going to get now uh, is probably Tapu Fini. If I really wanted to, that's what I have <laughs> the most XL candy for right now out of all legendaries. Just I've done because I've been doing a lot of them in person. I think Niantic recently uh, upped the XL candy you get from doing in person raids. Right. So since I have done a couple raid hours with it, I have like 150 Tapufini XL candy, where most other things I have 40, maybe. I think I have 40 Mewtwo XL candy. I have 40 Lugia XL. Right. And I could I could go on and on about how uh cyclical it feels for them to go, yeah, you would you would want to raid this, you know, as intended, the amount of times that it takes. Obviously, if you do more in person uh to do that, it it seems like their intention is it'll take a few rotations to finish this out. But also the Open Master League demands they be ready now. And that is a recurring thing, especially with the no longer existence of Classic Leagues. And I don't know whether or not they're gone for good or they will return at some point. I believe they are gone for good for every single iteration of every league. So XLs are just an open floodgate, uh, which makes which makes kind of hyping up Master League and also recommending that people try it. That's a tough pill to swallow since I do find that one to be a very spectator thing. People like going to monster truck shows, and I think that's very comparable with Master League. You get to see these big old juggernauts, gigantic numbers that you do not see in any other league. Literally just slug it out. You'll see like a 4,800 Mewtwo going up against like like a 4,300 Ho-Oh, things like that, Zacian, and they're all just super high, super big, chunky numbers, and people just love watching those things you know, slug out against each other. And you don't get that with other leagues, but also the demand in terms of what it takes from the player to get those in the first place is harder now, but the expectation is still there. So it's just, it's a weird conversation to have. For sure. And let's say you were to recommend some, a newer player, maybe not brand new. They've been around, they've done a few raid bosses. What should they super prioritize? What is a poke, a couple Pokemon, a couple legendaries? Like when this comes back in rotation, you grind for this one. Oddly enough, um, I think Mewtwo is probably a uh, super solid staple because if you're going for the Shadow Mewtwo right now, I know they do have a, um, I believe for Shadow Raids, they have an IV floor of six. But if you can hit tw 13 plus on anything, you could purify that to have a hundo for the Master League. On top of that, it would be, what is that, 10 to 20% cheaper on mm -hmm. the XLs? I forget what the exact discount is for XL. Let me see. It's like, I think it's 10%. I think so too. I th something around there. It will take less XLs and it will take less dust overall. Um, but Mewtwo, I find to be a very usable mon for raids, for PvP, for non-legendary specifically. I think Exodrill is probably the most important thing. Uh, that has use everywhere. In in every, in basically in Master Premiere and Open Masters, in raids specifically, because that, that coverage that it gets of ground and rock, or if you want to TM it to be Ironhead, that's also a not terrible steel attacker too. I think those are the two valuable things you could go for as a newer player to focus on. I understand that like shadow raids are probably a little bit more difficult right now. So maybe waiting for a different Mewtwo rotation, but that would be a thing that would certainly increase the, the value of your inventory right away. Cause Mewtwo has such a diverse move pool. You could have it have side strike for the first one and then TM it to be whatever auxiliary move you need to be. I think the coverage that it has uh, lets it get you a lot of value for PVE. It does. Two. Isn't Mewtwo one of the best like ice attackers with ice beam? Like something silly. Like you see all these like Mamoswine, like all these ice attackers, and then like Mewtwo's like up there. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's surprisingly high with Ice Beam just because of that attack stat. It also is not weak to anything that Ice is weak to. So something that has that attack stat and doesn't share the Ice weaknesses is incredibly valuable because Ice is one of the the best offensive types, but one of the worst defensive types. So something that has all of the perks and none of the drawbacks while also having the attack set that it does, I cannot understate the value of that Pokemon. Yeah, for sure. Mewtwo is definitely, it's it's almost future-proof, I would say. Like, it's going to be, I don't think the Pokemon company would ever try to top Mewtwo. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I really don't think it can be scaled uh, at that point. Like, a Shadow Mewtwo attempts to, but guess what? That's still a different flavor of Mewtwo. That's still the same candies. That's still the same excels. So, the power creep on its existing thing means that your existing Mewtwo resources, whether or not you started raiding today or you had raided Mewtwo's a few times in the past, you can still get a good one. You can still commit. I have, I think, two level 50s. And I rated enough to get another hundo since this was at the point where I didn't know if classic was going to come back. So I have two hundos and a 98. One of them is at level 40. And I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to level 50 it. After all, I think 40 is fine for raids. But like if you have the opportunity to excel something and you have a lively community that is willing to go help you with the Shadow Mewtwo raids in person. Do, do you know if these get the bonus three XLs despite having to do them in person because Shadows are not remotable? I am not sure. That's a really good question. Uh, that I'll de- that future DeFi you will definitely know. But, I'll probably know. Too. <laughs> um, I would guess so, but again, don't quote me on that. Um, the bonus XL seems to be just across the board. Right. Right. Um, I'm trying to think about another legendary as well that you would look into for. Oh, leveling. I would really have to think about things in the rotation. Kyogre and Groudon were stuff that just came around super recently. And those, if you have not at least leveled them up to 40 and you have a good one, you have the ability to go into 40 is better than nothing. Those are fantastic raid attackers as well. I can't say that those would be coming back anytime soon, given that we just had an entire Ho-Oh themed or Ho-Wen themed leg of a season specifically with Ho-Wen Tour and the uh, Ho-Wen Cup. And then also just the extensive amount of Kyogre and Groudon Reigns that was happening to celebrate the Primal release. Um, so it could be years before they see those again. But if you have the ability to get a good lucky one, dump some rare candies into it, get it to 40, that's a pretty high priority for me too, I feel. Definitely. Uh, I know I have a Hundo Groudon. I would love to be able to level 50 that at some point. Uh, rare XL candy. I think rare candy XL, the place that you should use them is legendaries or mythicals, things that are difficult to get the XL candy for otherwise. So that's probably Groudon. I could see myself plugging some rare candy XL in for, cause that is a such a powerful, that is an amazing Pokemon. Right. I think, and rare candy XL is certainly a, uh, a Pandora's box. I, I'm not sure we have the time or the reason to open at this point. I have not used any of mine because I feel like if I were to invest it in something non-mythical that you get a one-off of, I would have the FOMO of, well, what if this comes out in raids and I have the opportunity to get a better one? And then with mythicals, because you can't trade a good amount of the ones that are relevant, um, such as lucky trading for a Zerud, um, lucky trading for a better Mew, uh, a better Meloetta, things like that. Those are like super strong candidates for that. And there are also like Solgaleo and Lunala. Solgaleo is phenomenal in the Master League. It's rare and far between uh, because that is an XL, a rare candy XL candidate because it has not actually had a formal raid boss release despite the fact that it is a legendary. It just had a different introduction in Sun Moon. So that's what makes it different than the rest, but still a valid candidate for now since there has not been any whispers of, are we getting this in a raid or not? Things of that nature. Um, we're, we're in this drought of how do we get rare candy XL faster? And in turn, that makes it, how do we make the open master league more accessible to players that play every day versus people that have just started? It's a tricky topic to talk about, but I want to keep that as a, a mild overtone for the rest of the cast, because that is a point to think about when it comes to just talking about any point of the master league and whole, how inaccessible it can feel and how inaccessible it really is. Yeah, so 
what would you hope for in the new season? Either something to maybe make Master League more accessible, a move shakeup, maybe make a certain Pokemon uh, less powerful, make certain Pokemon more powerful. Is there something that you would really like to see uh, as we end the season of Rising Heroes and whatever season is coming towards us in June that we don't know yet? Yeah, you know, that's that's actually a pretty excellent question. When I think about Master League as a whole, do I think it is in an unhealthy time period compared to like other iterations of other leagues? I know Great League can have its periods of time where seeing the same couple of mods can get very frustrating. And I don't think Master League necessarily suffers too much from that. There was kind of a leg of time where the amount of Zations was just getting a little obnoxious, but then we got to a point where Zation checks started becoming a little bit more of a thing. Giratina made another rotation that was pretty good against close combat wild charge variants. Um, Ho-Oh has recently been introduced into raids. That is a fantastic check to any iteration of it if you play it right. Lugia is debatable as well, but Zation has to constantly debuff itself. Um, so that problem has effectively been neutered, so to speak. I think it's mostly fine it's kind of going through like a flying type trend like i said but i don't think it's necessarily at a point where it's something that needs a bandage it's just like oh this is just what it's doing like these two or three months it's just a little flyer heavy do i think it's toxic in that regard no would i like my nihilega to succeed a little bit better as well as other mons i've level 50 just because i've had a hundo at the time like zirka tree and tapu lele yeah but i think those issues are like more isolated to those mons and their success like with their moveset as opposed to say you know the rest of the meta what i like for all tapus to get fairy wind or quick attack to make them a little bit more viable um i would say fairy wind would be pretty cool because they're all fairies and they all operate with nukes so that is something i would like to see i don't actually know if they get that in the main series game i feel like they do um lele has this kind of interesting typing where it operates functionally to the same as a Gardevoir, but I don't, I don't really need it to be a charmer. Uh, like I like, Oh, here we go. Here's a good example. Florges is a fairy winder, but with better coverage and stab on its better coverage. That's, I think how Lele would and could function. And I think that would be cool given that I just used one for my factions match today. So we can come back to that later. Um, I think I would like to see, some fast move changes possibly for some mons i've been hearing whispers in some corners of people really wanting to see a metal claw rework to either have that do more damage or have a better energy generation i don't know if dialgas are all of a sudden going to start running metal claw or like what implications that has for other metas but i think for things to get more fast moves or to have existing fast moves be buffed would be fine i'm not really in a position to say Yes, I think this mon needs this, but having just used my Lele today, and I know Confusion is a really hard thing to use with all of the resistances to it with um, Evaltol, numerous steel types, um, a lot of psychic types that just outclass it as a whole. I want it to be different, so I'm like a little bit biased towards that right now, but I can't say it's something I would really just be like, yes, you need to you need to make that change right now. Um, I think it's okay spot. It, it feels a little bit dull to me some days and safe but i don't think that's necessarily the end of the world in that regard i feel like we we could change up minimal things and it would be a ripple but the pool of mons existing in master league i feel like is diverse enough to people be like oh you know this with this answer is that fine or this actually has a win con and x shield scenario there the mons are bulky enough and flexible enough usually to just adapt to it quickly and then the rest of the metagame follows behind it so i guess in response to what i would hope for in the new season some kind of change i think just to kind of shake things up there there could be things that that overtune it for sure but i don't think it would really be as unhealthy as it was like seasons one and two where diago was dominating everything and then there was a slight period of time where Melmetal was just kind of pervasive to the point where you kind of had to run a couple of checks for it. And then there was a little bit of a Zacian renaissance after that where, okay, well, this thing checks Geoga and Melmetal. Now what do we do about that? And now there's just enough things in the meta across the board where most everything has an answer for everything. And you can play established lines like Dialga, Mewtwo, Giratina, 
or, you know, Ho-Ozation Dialga or, you know, Melmetal Double Flyer, things like that. There's there's a quite a few tried and true ones and they all have their own successes and weaknesses and stuff. So I don't think it's, I don't know. I, I think these are fine. I think these are fine, but change is nice. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's really fun to hear you talk about the different eras of the Open Master League. Because uh, I can think of those for the Open Great League, you know, early season, Azumarill, Registeel, before it had Zap Cannon, Altaria, uh, that kind of era. And then more recently, we, we had Trevenant Walrein, and then Walrein fell off. And then uh, you bring in Trevenant uh, Lantern yeah. and Noctowl. So I can think of all those for Great Leagues. But it's so it's really fun to kind of hear about how the meta has shifted around in the Master League. That's really fun for me. And I appreciate you coming on and being able to share a lot of this knowledge and expertise in a way that Fish and I simply cannot. Yeah, of course. I mean, your mileage may vary if you're a Master League player out there listening to that. But for the lines that I have played personally, the notable ripples that I have seen when these mons have come up and how they change team building not necessarily to like a super toxic level where you're trying to figure out ways to double core break, like, you know, certain combinations of mons, um, kind of like how people would run dunce bars at, um, actual play Pokemon competitions to break Trev, Noctowl, Lantern, that kind of thing. But there are points where it's like, okay, this is appearing more often. I have to be more aware of it because even though I know it's there, it can still succeed. So like, I would still have to plan about that accordingly. And I go through different legs of that journey. I have been playing Master League since preseason. So there's probably like a little bit of Zekrom splashed in there. And then I do play all leagues. I just do prefer Master League. So that's the stuff that's freshest in my mind. So I do have those ripples and I'm, I'm happy to share what I remember. But when I play, you know, all of my sets, probably 98% of the time, every single day, it all kind of blends together. <laughs> Completely. Well, we still have some room to talk about Master League in this podcast because I think it's time to move into our self-check-in, a segment of our podcast that is uh, not long for this world, as we talked about, uh, Fish and I talked about last week, the Silk Road is closing down and going dark. Part of that is this last week, the regular faction season ended, and that's it there's going to be factions worlds and there's going to be like a king of the hill type competition but in terms of regular bouts and cycles we're done uh i can just briefly touch on mine i am in north america iron i'm a great league specialist for the queen bees uh, and we've been in it since you know north america's first cycle that very very first one where we played teams like socal swablu and muddy water because we were all together Right. Yeah, we were all together at that time. We hadn't really been divided up yet. And my team, we've kind of just stayed. Uh, We're an all-woman team, just kind of in there to have fun and for community. Uh, We've been oscillating between open and iron, and this was the strongest cycle we've ever had. We finished fourth place in North America iron, and some of our only losses were to teams like Sub-Zero, who completely swept the North America Iron Tier, not taking a single loss. So we played some really good teams. I'm really proud of my faction. And my faction chat this week has just been a lot of, you know, I've loved playing with all of you. It's been really, like, sentimental uh, and difficult, but I'm really proud of the work we've been doing. And, you know, excited for what's to come. I am optimistic of the next platform, the next iteration of factions and the next iteration of self. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, like we've closed the book. I think we're just starting, starting the next chapter of grassroots PVP. Right. And I have to imagine that feels very bittersweet knowing that the self journey is over for the most part, but that doesn't mean you guys don't have to associate with each other. And this community is very resilient in that we can, find the best of bad situations and turn them into good ones. So if I have immediate faith that we would have a Sylph spirit successor, at least a factions spirit successor, I don't have a timeline on that, but that feels more to me like a matter of when, as opposed to if like it would, would anybody do that? Absolutely. I feel like 100% somebody's itching to get their team of nine and get back out there when that would happen. I do not know. 
give the given the size of Sylph, um, it left some very big shoes to fill, and it will be dearly missed as a resource and a website and a way to build communities uh, across the globe. But like factions as a whole was a very refreshing and very fun experience that I'm sure anybody that's in a faction, regardless of what tier you were in, if you were in open or if you were slugging out an emerald or anything in between, it was nice to come back and talk to those people every week uh, about Pokemon and how to play to the best of your abilities and celebrate your wins together and, you know, take your losses together. Yeah. And what, has your team, uh, your dojo over in Diamond, what have you been celebrating uh, together recently for this last cycle? Or a little bit, you can give us a little bit of history as well for the dojo. Yeah, actually, um, for factions, I had actually just played my last match today, uh, owing to the 24-hour extension that uh, Sylph had uh, for everybody, owing to the, um, I believe, website outage on Wednesday night, and they were gracious enough to bump everything back a day. It means we got 24 more hours to enjoy factions as a whole. We decided, me and my opponent, to go pretty spicy, and we decided to run a bunch of zero-point as one-pointers. We both actually picked the same Mega and Mega Sceptile. I would argue he brought way spicier things than me, but I was able to bring Golden Go and Galarian Zapdos and have some fun with that for this one. And we we were in diamond and we had um we had mild fears of relegation but we had three win cons so to speak to not be relegated and stay in diamond we had better odds to stay in as opposed to out we had three kind of fail safe so to speak in order to not necessarily be better than everybody else but to ensure that we had just avoided relegation i don't know like i'm alluding to some kind of spirit successor like it will actually happen like one to one but like if it were to carry over all diamond, all emerald, all of that, hypothetically speaking, if there was another season on paper, we would be staying in diamond owing to everything today. So that was that was actually pretty cool. And I've been doing faction since preseason. I've had ups and downs with struggles of not having all legendaries, but I've been raiding pretty hard, getting all those resources together. And uh, that's great for content creation as well as factions. I feel like I'm a valued member of that team and I know... I value all of the other members of my team since I'm not as good in other leagues. But just having those resources to play with that team has been an honor and fun. And I'm going to miss it a lot. I really am going to miss it. It hasn't really hit me yet because I finished the game and reported. I'm like, all right, when's the next one? And I'm kind of sitting there like, oh, there's there's really not going to be a, a next one for the seeable future, huh? I guess yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I know personally that there are a lot of really great people working on whatever is to come next. Uh, there was a big Twitter announcement, Project Zygarde. Uh, there's just a ton of good people working on what is to come next for grassroots PvP. And yeah, I, I'm excited. I know there will be something. I completely agree with you. It's not if, it's when. But I am not a coder. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about that world. And I know it takes time to build like a website as extensive as the Sylph Road was, even just the Sylph Arena. So I think it's just people are going to want something tomorrow. And I just, I don't think that's going to happen, but good things right. take time, you know? Right. And I, for one, I I have not been super committed mentally into the cycle. So I'm kind of feeling like I need a break anyway. And Sylph is good for factions in terms of issuing like multiple week breaks, two to three things of that nature. So Kind of, if I'm good to find the copper lining in the situation, I get the break that I wanted because the platform does not exist before I can return. But me personally being, you know, unsure about things and kind of just needing to figure things out for myself for a little bit, I get that time and that mental space. So I can't help but be relieved that the season is over. But also, like, I do want more. That's the thing. Like, I, I feel like I just got tired and I needed a break. And, and I get that. But... I I do I do want for the factions format as well as the rest of the Sylph Arena to succeed because before factions I was not on Sylph Arena all I was not participating in tournaments anything of that nature but factions really got me kind of glued to it on a weekly basis so that's the closest that I think I'll ever be to grassroots outside of um, maybe local tournaments. Uh, I did go to a Go Challenge recently, uh, just as a super random side note. Like, there was one in a city close to me. That one actually got four people, and I got to play in it, and I got to play for championship points. So just something I felt like inserting in there. But that was 
that was that was just the love of the tournament scene and the love of connecting with other people uh in a competitive format and i think those two share that in common so i don't ever really want to move away from that as a whole i guess is what i'm trying to say i'll always find value in going to sanctioned play pokemon events even going o2 it just means i have more time to watch and network and have fun with people and just you know just getting out there just getting out there and talking to people and then online i get to have that same amount of people that i'm talking to so i value the community in any shape and form it exists in so i know that we're resilient enough to have project zygarde actually take some kind of substantial form that everybody will help uplift and succeed Again, I com- I completely agree. I say that all the time, even on the play Pokemon streams. Like, completely agree. It's kind of like, you know, everyone has their little their little things that they say, their little taglines, and that is definitely one of mine. And now I'm aware of it, and I'm going to work on it. <laughs> continue, but to continue, you brought up play Pokemon, so I'd like to transition over to that a little bit. I will talk about Arcana uh, a little bit, and then into the new Innocent Cup. The last individual Sylph meta, I will go into that a bit next week. But for now, let's talk about Play Pokemon. We just had two huge events this last weekend. We had Hartford, USA, and we had Malmo in Sweden. Hartford was the one that I watched. I watched quite a bit of it, uh, and I just re-watched the finals uh, just recently on the Twitch VOD. So I think that would be a good one to start. And we finally finally get to see Wadage take a championship. He has been working so hard. I think he's gone to eight. I want to say he went to eight regionals this year uh, looking for that invitation to Yokohama, Japan. And it's just really good to see him take that win. He beat Elam, I-L-Q-M, he won three to two in the grand finals. It was actually a rematch of the winner's finals. Elam uh, lost to Wadaj. Elam went down to the loser side of the bracket um, and then beat, I think it was Hot Pocket. Elam beat Hot Pocket to go back up to the grand finals. And then Wadaj won three to two. That's a very impressive run, honestly. I, I could not imagine going to eight play Pokemon events in a season myself. But um, that is a beyond phenomenal respect for the dedication that it takes to that. And it takes a lot of grit to actually not get discouraged by that. Even remotely, even if he did, he got back out there, he put himself out there, and he he cleaned this one out. He now has his invite as well as his travel award. So I don't have a hat, but I want to find one just to be able to take it off metaphorically for that moment because that, uh, that is a lot of hard work and planning that goes into it. And if I'm looking at the team specifically for Wadaj, Agoon. Agoon mm-hmm. is very cool. I remember him saying in his interview he was between uh, Metacham and Goon, and he is just so over-trevenant in this meta that he's like, <laughs> I want to be just a little bit stronger. <laughs> against Trevenant. I uh, respect the uh, the spite the spite pick specifically. Yes. Not spice. You could argue how you want to, but that is a spite pick cuz you're you're targeting a very very common mon and it, if it, if that's what you wanted to to hit, you have plenty of targets for it, including having one yourself. <laughs> so there's there's value in Trevenant and there's value in counterpicking Trevenant and it really should Yeah. Also, something really fun, in addition to Goon, which you could argue isn't really spicy, but it's different considering the counter user you usually see as Metacham. But this tournament had all, like, I think Butter said, like, North America found the spice cabinet. (laughs) We found it. There was was some variety. I I was really pleased to see not the same, like, array of 10 to 12 Pokemon on everybody's teams. There was there was a notable amount, like we saw a Pidgeot. I see a Shadow Drapion as I'm going through this. Mish brought Shadow Beedrill and Machamp. Already right off the bat, there's four Magic Mason who's already showed up to multiple events with a Guzzlord, just to say that he did. There's a Shadow Dragonair, multiple Obstagoons I'm seeing. And what did I see? There's a few Toxapex. Yeah. And what, two Bastiodons? Yeah, in, in day two with the shadow Vic. That's funny. That's yeah. That's, that's funny. Impressive. That is the meteor folly and special is the bastion on shadow Vic. Uh, also Trogdor. I really liked brought a and made top 16. 
uh, as something just really different, I think, to counter uh, the Trevenant and the Lantern that we see so often. Uh, It makes sense. Zwilus makes sense as a check to those things, Uh, as well as the Defense Deoxys, uh, which we just saw win a regional recently. And the canine. The canine. I think that's the only canine on day two, if I'm not Yeah, I think so. Uh, But yeah, lots of really, really good stuff. This was easily one of the most stacked tournaments and that we've seen also because you had we had to go down i think it was to sixth place to award the second place like the other ticket because <laughs> think about Wadage. yeah elam, elam already had it hot pocket yeah. already had it inadequance flew across the world um took fourth magic mason already had it trogdor i believe got our second invite good for uh, him sixth place so very very good stuff that is a. Uh, I didn't know it had to trickle down five places to reach the second one. That's that's very amusing to me, and it also shows the um, consi- consistency of these names that I see. I recognize every single one of these names that showed up to day two. They that could have that could have been anybody, honestly. Yeah, this tournament was stacked. It makes me so excited for NAIC, the next biggest tournament, because Hartford was the biggest one we've had in the U.S. so far. Uh, NAIC has already beat it in terms of players registered. We are just at the the precipice of hitting 200. Uh, I think it's 194 when I checked today. So, that that it could hit the 250, I think, in like maybe a month or so. Because what what is it? It's it's at the end of June, right? NAIC? Yeah, it's that for, that weekend of June going into July. I don't see it impossible to maybe get even like 20 to 30 more people in there to just pad that bracket a little more. That's going to be a long day for anybody playing. It'll be a very long day. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there and I'll be playing. I'm, I'm all registered, waiting for the season to switch over before I think too hard about my team. But I am, I'm excited to go to the biggest one that we've had so far in North America. I am. Yeah, I it's going to be super exciting to watch. Uh, we also had one other tournament. I did not catch this one live. Uh, however, we did have Malmo in Sweden, which was the last European regional uh, that we have. We're really at the end of the season here. So if we take a look there, I'm going to pull up the bracket. So going into this tournament, and again, huge tournament, 102 players. Wow. We had, uh, I want to I don't want to pronounce this wrong. We had BBlicious, uh, who won second place. With who BBlicious also played in the U.S. I think this season. Okay, and took second place. I want to say my mind is kind of like I think it was early. BBlicious played uh, in the U.S., but took second over in Malmo. And the winner, I will say, is Zef Zephymastics Zef. Mastics. That's probably close enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll just we'll just go Zef. Go Zef. Call Zef. it good. <laughs> okay, Zef. Uh, Zef won by doing having his tournament run. Stayed in the winner side of the bracket. Easiest way to win a tournament, by the way, is just don't lose. Don't go down to the loser side of the bracket. Mm, mm, yeah. <laughs> Excellent advice. Uh, Zef beat. Um, lost to. So in the semifinals, Zef 3-0'd Bibilicious. And then Bibilicious, so in the grand finals, because Bibilicious came back from the loser side of the bracket. Oh, yeah, I see that beating Denki Chin. Yep. And then Bibilicious beat Zef, giving Zef his first loss. Then uh, Zef went on to the bracket reset and won 3-2. So that is really challenging to come back after you've lost in the grand finals, there's a bracket reset and you have to come back and win again. Uh, you've lost the momentum there. That That's is- also no longer. So in previous encounters in the bracket, something to note is that's a best. That's a first to two versus finals and grand finals are uh, first to three. And with a bracket reset, that would, that would still be a maximum of probably about 10 games. There is a lot of conditioning that you can make your opponent do like in terms of a way you play and then change it up completely for a next game, especially during a reset. I, I, I didn't watch these games either, unfortunately, but I cannot even begin to imagine the mind games that were happening in between every team selection. 
especially on a bracket reset. So the fact that BB pulled out second and it was that close to getting it, he he was probably playing like a man on fire, if I'm being honest. Yep. And they actually had very similar teams. I'm taking a look at the stadium gaming post. Um, Zeph's team, Registeel, Sableye, Lantern, Not Towel, Shadow Abomasnow, Shadow Gliscor. And then scrolling down to Bebelicious, very similar, different steel type in Galarian Stunfisk. Still brought Sableye, still brought Noctowl, still brought Shadow Obama Snow, uh, still brought Lantern. Uh, difference is Zeph didn't have a counter user where Bebelicious did in Metacham. I can definitely see that having some value. Yeah, and definitely um, no Shadow Gliscor on Bebelicious's team either. So, very, like, similar compositions, but a little different there. Uh, taking a look at our top two. Uh, taking a look down the bracket, I don't see as much other than Danky Chan bringing that Shadow Alolan Sandslash, which is very cool. But other, and there's another one, too. A Mind Joke brought it, too. So two right. Shadow Alolan Sandslash in top eight. That is amazing. There are There are some minority picks, but I think most of the meta here ended up being... Very similar, a lot, a lot of familiar faces, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if they, they're there because they work, they work really well. There's just a few dark horse picks, like you mentioned, like Alone Sandslash. There's exactly one Umbreon, which I feel like I saw a lot more watching Day One of Hartford, um, but maybe I might be mistaken. I feel like I might have been watching somebody else's stream. I, I have been seeing Umbreon a little bit more recently, though. And then there's exactly one Lickitung, which I'll be real. I forgot that Lickitung had the relevance that it did. So to actually see one on day two, despite everything, is pretty cool. I feel like Noctowl might have scared it off a little bit. But there wasn't... How many? How much Trev was there here? There was... Very little. Um, there was a lot more in Hartford. Uh, then I think two teams maybe have a Trevenant here. Yeah, there's Malibu. a lot of Sableye too, yeah. Uh, taking a look to Ghost Stadium put out a graphic comparing the top cut Pokemon in Hartford and Malmo and a lot more Noctowl in Malmo than in Hartford. Uh, and also just Hartford had more spice, like the Victory Bell. The There was a Pelipper in the top cut in Hartford. Um, the Pidgeot, the Guzzlord, the Beedrill. Uh, nine, uh, Dragonair, Venusaur, uh, Azumarill, just different things where Malmo seemed to have a much more condensed uh, top cut percentage of teams. Uh, the big difference being they had the Umbreon and the Shadow Alolan Ninetales and Gliscor and the Lickitung. But that's really it. Otherwise, those weird, strange picks of Toxapex, Dwylas, uh, Char- Shadow Charizard, Machamp, those yeah, were all this- in Hartford. That's wild. That's actually pretty fun, too. So very, very good. Um, Again, shout out to Butters. I'm glad that North America found the spice cabinet. Uh, Hopefully that will continue into NAIC. Yeah, it it makes things uh, it makes opponents stay really frosty, uh, given the amount of things that can succeed, even in the iteration of Great League that we have right now. Right. And by the time we have our next tournament, we'll be in a new season, just barely. The next tournaments are happening June 2nd to 4th, uh, and new season rolls over on June 1st. So trainers will have to be on their toes in Milwaukee, which I think we're actually up to about 45 registered right now. Uh, Last I checked. Uh, Torino, Italy, uh, last I checked, was about 117. And then Santiago, Chile, uh, that was sold out at 64 slots. That's going to be a smaller tournament. Then we'll we'll have Fresno in the U.S., June 9th to 11th. Again, about 45 registered there. And then NAIC, about, I think it was 195 when I last checked. And then Worlds. Yeah. Uh, in August. So we have a big break for the month of July and then Worlds in August. I will be at Worlds as well, not casting, just uh, spectating. I'll probably do the last chance qualifier. But I am really looking forward to it. And it's cool to see the season just kind of we're at we're almost at the peak. We are almost uh, finished with the season and people are getting really uh wholesome a lot. Use this on the stream hungry. They are starving <laughs> for yeah. that invite. Uh, kind of like with Dodge, just going to tournament after tournament and then not getting it. So people are getting kind of, uh, they're desperate. They're looking at their chances and they are dwindling very quickly away. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of invites left on the table, honestly. And with the, um, I'm not sure how much of a new season shakeup that we would get. It, it would be completely 
naive of me to say that there would not be any moveset changes whatsoever. I know they tend to be a little bit more conservative if we're going to use last year as a trend in terms of moveset changes. I want there to be a gigantic shakeup that puts everybody there on their toes. Well, do I think that's probably going to happen? No. Would it be great content? Yeah. Is it going to make everybody still jonesing for an invite? Uh, just to have a little bit more of a disadvantage, you know, trying to learn how to adapt to new meta. Depends on the player, honestly. It would be interesting, and it's going to be for some great content, regardless of what side you're on. If you're there watching, you're there playing, or you're watching at home from uh, Twitch, or you're just cheering people on. It'll be new stuff. And we are really excited for it. But we have reached just about the end of this podcast, and... At the end, we kind of do some shameless plugs. We try to uh, shout out different things that we are doing. Uh, we'll come back to emails and we'll also do our uh, PvP achievement shout outs from the discords. We'll come back to that next week. But for this week, uh, in my streams, I'm still working on the uh, St. Jude Play Live as part of my fundraiser for May. I've raised just over $1,000 uh, with my community for St. Jude Children's Hospital as I've been saying every week the world sucks sometimes and it's really great when we can kind of come together and put something into the world to make the world suck a little less so i've been eating some bean boozled when people donate 25 dollars on stream i will eat uh, one of these jelly beans and the brown one was either uh liver and onions or cappuccino i got the cappuccino one oh so that was good. But the orange one was either strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. I unfortunately got dead fish and it was it was unpleasant. It was unpleasant. Oh, but, I have to imagine because like, I mean, all all fish that you eat, generally speaking, is dead, but dead, dead, like dead, not dead. Not not appetizing sushi. I I do really like sushi, but I know they're not putting sushi in a jelly bean to be bad compared to strawberry what was that strawberry banana smoothie i think yeah. i'd rather take the smoothie honestly for sure the one that i am like dreading i think is dirty dishwasher or oh. birthday cake like As... that one Ugh. yeah so i i actually just fixed my dishwasher last week there was a i, I guess there's like some kind of air valve that like stuff can get stuck in from time to time and it's like on the side of the sink anyway that got clogged and um, I did not know it, so my dishwasher wasn't starting up correctly. Point being, I I go to unclog that as soon as my dishwasher is running, spews up a bunch of water on the counter. Okay, that's fine. I put the cover back on it. I immediately shut off the washer cycle. That smell condensed into a bean. You could not get me to eat that willingly. You have to trick me to try that. There is no way I'm eating that consciously. That smelled vile. <laughs> Keep me away from that. But we do it for the kids. We do it for <laughs> the content. For we the do kids. it for the kids <laughs> and for the content uh, for St. Jude Play Live this month. My link to that Tiltify I've been keeping in the show notes week to week. Uh, and Elo, this is your chance. What do you want to shout out? What do you want to plug? Where can the people find you? Uh, what do you want to talk about here as we wrap up? Sure. I guess if I'm going to plug some things shamelessly, I exist in exactly about four Exactly about oxymoronic. Um, I exist in four online spaces that I can think of notably. Uh, first one's on Twitter. Uh, I'm guilty of doom scrolling like the rest of you guys, but I will comment my PvP successes, things of that nature. I also have some other passive interests. I enjoy video games, things of that nature. They're all on twitter.com slash lodicolo. And then my main content creation, Tuesday through Saturday, uh, I do run this AM slot because as I mentioned earlier, I do stream at work. So I have the ability to stay consistent at 10 AM Pacific five days a week on twitch.tv slash the same name. I also have a discord community. It's not the super biggest in the world, but we do talk shop in there. So if you're interested in adding another one on your, you know, server list, guess what? It is discord.gg also slash So far I'm three for three on branding. We will keep it that way, but there's another online space you can hang out at. And then the last one is I don't advertise myself specifically as a, you know, coach of all leagues. I prefer to try to, uh, so this is it's a coaching link. Um, I advertise myself as a master league specialist and a master league coach because I feel like that's what I can sell you the best. So if you are looking for ways to improve and refine on your master league gameplay, 
I do have a Mattify that would be mfy.gg slash, I believe, at Elotocolo. They do the slash and the at symbol. But if you search in the Pokemon Go category, you can find me there. And during any given Master League rotation, or if you know, you're needing some fundamentals in Great or Ultra, I'm fun I'm functionally okay in those leagues. I'm acceptable. I've hit legend in all of those rotations. But if you're really looking for the stake that is I want to get better at Master League, that's where you can find me there. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week and giving us some much needed information and analysis of the Open Master League. And this was just a really good time. I really appreciate you coming on. No, thanks for having me. And uh, you would you would have to pay me not to have the opportunity to talk about Master League, honestly. <laughs> I love any platform that people will give me about that. So I had a great time being able to uh, share my personal experiences with the Big Boy League and what it has to offer in GBL, in factions, and in other spaces it might exist. Because uh, I do like playing those mods, but more importantly, I enjoy the game and I enjoy its community. So thank you for having me on as an example of that. Of course. And with that, that is a show. Fish and I love hearing your feedback. If you have any questions or suggestions for Fish or for myself, you can direct your feedback to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail or physical mail to the GoCast PO Box. You can take a look at the show description for the phone number and PO Box address. And in the show description, you can click on more fish or more DeFi to take you to uh, our projects and ways to contact us. And I'll also put um, Elo's links in there as well uh, if you want to take a look for his content fish will be back next week we are sending him all of the healing vibes and love and appreciation for taking some time for what he needed for his mental health i really appreciate that and again that is something i definitely support and with all of that fish and i will talk to you next week bye bye bye